Well, we all knew the highlight to the uh, big Federal Reserve Symposium at Jackson Hole was going to be the speech for the Fed chair. What we didn't know is exactly the nature of the speech. And my categorization is it was short. It was not very sweet. And he told us very plainly, there's going to be a lot of pain, but they're going to win. David Kelly watched it also. Dr. David Kelly is chief global strategist and head of the Global Markets Insight Strategy Team for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and joins us now. It's good to have you with us, sir. Glad to be here. So do you think do you think Jay Powell got like a macho coach in the last month or something? That was quite a speech. Well, that, that's exactly it. The, the Fed is, is trying to sound tough. Uh, I think that I, I really think they're trying too hard to sound tough here because the truth is we are going to win against inflation. Inflation is rolling over uh, in every important way, and inflation will come down to the Fed's 2% target. And then you know what? It probably won't stop there. Uh, so I think we will win the war on inflation, but I think... Wait a minute, it, so then, all... then they'll have to cut interest rates to stimulate it back again? Well, that's that's right. I think they'll end up back where they were uh, in the last part of the last decade, where inflation is going to be running below where they want it to be, and they'll, they'll you know, change their tune and, and try to speed it up again. Uh, but I, I, I think the Fed right now, it's almost like they feel guilty for letting inflation get out of hand, which I don't think they should. It wasn't their fault. Uh, but I think they are trying now too hard to sound hawkish uh, to convince markets they really, really mean it. They're going to kill inflation. Well, now, after all, he did tell us it was transitory. And, and as I listened to him say it was this inflation was transitory and uh, because of, you know, coming out of COVID, it made a lot of sense to me. And, and you know what? The thing is, he wasn't wrong. It's, it's just it was the, the pandemic and the policy response. But then plus Ukraine, plus Chinese COVID. So it, it, that's what extended some of these transitory issues into 2022. And inflation is now beginning to roll over as the, the world sort of adjusts to that. Uh, so I, th I think he just took a lot of flack and I think the Federal Reserve took a lot of flack from the word transitory, but it is essentially correct. Transitory, it's not really a measure of time. It's those things that were caused by the pandemic and the policy response well, the pandemic, in terms of the way people are reacting to it, is, is winding down. The policy response is certainly winding down. And the inflation is winding down also, um, although it's only just begun, uh, just peaked really and begun to come down. Uh, but I think, the, you know, the Fed just feels guilty about it. It feels like they have to play catch up now. So transitory in that they will pass, just not necessarily very quickly. We don't know. Well, that's right. But but let's think about what we're talking about here. I, I mean, the Fed, Fed's own forecast say the inflation rate, as, as they look at it, the consumption deflation is going to be 5.2% in the fourth quarter this year, 2.6% fourth quarter of next year, 2.2% fourth quarter of 2024. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, you know, I, I don't really mind an inflation rate which comes down 5, 4, 3, 2. I mean, it could take longer, as far as I'm concerned. It took them eight years to get the unemployment rate down from 10% to 4%. So, if there was a problem that inflation expectations were getting embedded, if we were moving to a different hyperinflationary economy, that's one thing. But there is no embedded inflation expectations. You look at the treasury market, there's an, the inflation, expected inflation rate is well under 3%. You look at consumer sentiment. Consumers don't expect inflation over 3% over the next five years. So I think this is making a big deal out of something that is actually going to pass anyway. And I just hope we don't, you know, they don't tip us into recession in, in trying to fight what I think is not that long-lasting an inflation problem. But how much of this can we control? You know, you, you mentioned the, the, the external forces, the global economy. 
And, you know, China now is having to stimulate their economy when we thought, or at least I thought, they were coming out of it and everything with supply chain was going to kick back up and they were going to be consumers again. And then we know this continuing problem with, you know, the specter of, you know, the shortage of fuel and the inflation and Germany's problems that now the U.K. is going to evidently have to, is going to bankrupt everybody if they're going to keep their houses warm. I mean, that comes back to bite us ultimately. Well, yes, but it bites us in terms of slowdown, not inflation. Because if Europe slows down and European consumers have to spend more on paying their natural gas bills, and they really ought to do something about that, by the way. But if, 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 that, if that's the problem they have, they will buy less from us. Right. If China is slowing down, they will also buy less from us and, and countries in the region will buy less from us. So uh, overall, this is a, a negative pulse from around the world, which is actually slowing economic growth down and likely to sow our inflation, too. So the market is uh, the stock market is doing what it usually does, is acting like a market, stock market instead of a market of stocks. And the knee jerk was to just sell everything in sight. Presumably, they go back in and pick up the pieces sometime, hopefully I, soon. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because at some stage, the Federal Reserve will, will stop playing this macho game because they are going to see lower inflation. We've seen airline fares come down. We've seen gasoline prices come down. We've seen lodging rates come down. We're seeing some food prices roll over. I mean, it's going on and they will admit it. So what I think could happen in September is they could go 75 basis points, which, by the way, I don't think they should. But they could go 75 basis points in September and say, but now we think things are going to be better. So we probably won't have to go 75. We might be able to go 50 in November. So I think we might still get in messaging a dovish pivot in September, even though the Fed might feel like for some reason they have to go 75 basis points just to prove how tough they are to this point. But he really did. He really came out. He said, I'm going to be short and I'm going to be sweet. And I, and he was very clear and, and he used the word pain. I mean, right there in front of everybody. That was a very clear message. Has he got counselors that are telling him to do this? Or? Well, possibly. But I, I think also he, he believes a lot in Fed expectations. I mean, I think one of the things that was really significant to me is he was talking about the lessons of history. The problem is lessons of history are 50 years old. We only have experience of having to deal with significant inflation in the United States in the 1970s. And frankly, I wouldn't trust a playbook that's 50 years old. I don't think we've got the same inflation problem. We have a problem with rents and shelter, which is actually going to keep core inflation high for longer uh, because of something called owner's equivalent rent. But that's a completely nebulous concept. Nobody pays owner's equivalent rent. And, and that will keep core inflation high. But I think the problem is that looking back then, he quoted Volcker, uh, Paul Volcker, uh, and also... Greenspan and Bernanke was talking about the pain that needs to be inflicted then. But then that really was an inflationary economy. We had double digit rates of inflation more than once in the 1970s. We had unions were going on strike for higher wages. This is not the economy we have now. Um, but unfortunately, without any other historical reference to going back 50 years, I think that's, that's a mistake. I, I think it was Kondrigat Volcker that actually set a chill up my spine. But So, so today, we, this morning, we found out, or Friday morning, we found out the PCE, this core inflation gauge we know the Fed watches, seems to be trending lower. And, and he made a point that one month doesn't, you know, doesn't success make. But then we also have this thing, the Dallas Fed, I don't know if you follow it, the trimmed mean, which some would argue is even a better indica indicator. And it really shows uh, a slowdown in, in the rate of inflation. Oh, yes. And, and it's, you know, I think you can divide inflation into sort of three parts. You've got food and energy, which is always volatile. Then you've got shelter, which is about a third of it, which is, is going to be high for a while because of 
statistical reasons, but it's, there's not much the Fed can do about that, at least to help the situation. They could make it worse by raising interest rates and cutting the housing supply. Uh, but then you've got everything else, which is about half of CPI, uh, and that everything else is coming down, the, the cost of dishwashers, the cost of airline fares, the, the cost of used cars. It's all coming down because all this extra consumer demand that was pumped into the economy during the pandemic is coming out, and the supply chains are beginning to work again, and those two things will bring down a lot of the, the inflation basic stuff uh, and I think people are seeing that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why the Fed really ought to be patient, although Jay Powell didn't sound patient this morning. Yeah, and in some cases, it it, it, it stopped with just a snap of your fingers, that, that that demand. So what do we do with money right now? It, it's it's sort of compelling to be able to, to get a decent return on your money and sit on the sideline and look at money market funds right now. Should we be out there bargain hunting? I think we should, so long as we've got a horizon which goes more than the next six months. I mean, I think in the end, where I think we're going to end up with uh, end up is a situation quite like last decade, where we'll end up with slow growth, yes, but also low inflation, low interest rates. And then the Federal Reserve, as I say, will, will probably be keeping rates very low because they feel like they have to stimulate the economy at some stage. And that's a good environment for stocks. It's a good environment for bonds, at least getting there. Um, so... There are bargains. I think U.S. value stocks look relatively cheap. I think international stocks look relatively cheap. And even the overall market's not that expensive once you, you know, knock out the, the, the top 10 names. So I think there are opportunities there. And I'd uh, you know, just keep an, keep an eye on the horizon here. Where, you know, it's going to be a little bumpy for the next few months as the Fed tries to figure out just how hawkish it wants to be. But I think after that, the economy is going to settle down. When the economy settles down, the Fed's going to be able to settle down. But, but again, your point, it, it does tip toward value, uh, perhaps as opposed to growth stocks right now. Yes, I think so. Because, uh, well, for two reasons. First of all, because the Fed is saying it's, it's going to think about raising rates more and it's sounding hawkish for right now. But also, frankly, there's a valuation argument. And you know, when, when short-term interest rates are very, very low, when they're effectively zero, uh, all the crazy bets people can make, you can finance them at zero. So I think that this, this low interest rate environment for years has helped things like meme stocks and, and uh, NFTs and crypto and, and mega cap growth stocks. But as... As this, uh, the, the era of super cheap money goes away, and I think it is going away, um, I do think that helps things which actually generate cash flow, and, and therefore I think value does, uh, does a bit better here. Dr. David Kelly is the head of Global Market Insights and Chief Global Strategist for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and uh, always helps us understand what the Fed is saying. <laughs> Thank you very much for the time, sir. Anytime, David. We appreciate it. For more of our conversation, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.